The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, good morning. Good to see you all on this beautiful, sunshiny August day, which means it's been a while since I spoke, so I just need to give the reminder we're getting close. Christmas is just around the corner. Christmas is just around the corner. So I just figured I'd throw that out there. Uh, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you before, my name is Ryan, one of the pastors on staff. Pastor Nick and Heather are gone uh, uh, today. They are in misery. I'm sorry, Missouri. Sorry, Missouri. Hope I said that right. Missouri. Uh, they are back helping Heather's mom pack and move. Uh, she's going to be moving just north of Spokane area, so they're back doing that. Uh, he's speaking at her church uh, this morning somewhere. Um, I'm not sure exactly what church uh, Heather's mom is a part of, but that's where they are. But they send their greetings. Sad that can't be here, and that means you're stuck with me. So I will do my best. Now, it's been a while since I've been in here because I'm usually out in the virtual lobby. In fact, I want to say good morning to those that are tuning in online. Uh, So glad that you guys are here today. I trust that Aaron and Jen took great care of you. But that's usually where I'm at. It's been a while since I spoke, so I'm amped to be back as we continue in our series called Downtime. Uh, This is where we try to find a way to slow down, right, when life is moving really fast. And I don't know if you can attest to this. I'm sure some of you can. I'm I'm sure I'm not alone in this. But there are just some days I think to myself, there are just not enough hours in the day to get it all done. Um, And and part of that is a reminder for you and I what this series is about is that you and I were designed to need downtime. Contrary to your thought Contrary to the subconscious way that you've been trained and I've been trained with society and culture, right, that, that, that you can just go, 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 and the best people will never slow down. And it's almost like, in fact, I want to give you a recap of the last few weeks in case you're just jumping in. Um, so, that, so we're going to springboard right off of that. Is week one, Nick talked about the idea, the title of the message was busyness, the idea of busyness as a badge. Like we wear it like a badge of honor. And in our society and culture, everything we see Everything we're told from news articles to TV to whatever is you got to give it all you got every time you've got with everything you have to make a difference, to be successful at whatever it is you want to do. This isn't a series, by the way, pause for a moment, that you shouldn't work hard. It's the idea that there needs to be a balance and that we need to have downtime. So week one is busyness as a badge. Right, we, 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 we see people even in our culture, uh, uh, um, ideas of individuals who are influential. They've left their mark on history. Maybe you could look back a few thousand years and there's somebody that you aspire to be like because this individual was incredible and their name is still talked about uh, all these years later or 100 years ago or even in your lifetime. Let me give you a couple examples of, of recent people that might fit the bill as very successful and they work really, really hard and left their mark on history. Not necessarily because they're the best, just a couple that I think that you would recognize the names. Elon Musk would be one, talked about all the time. I'm sure most of us know who that is. Um, or how about Steve Jobs, right? The idea that um, this individual left their mark. I mean, Steve revolutionized through Apple technology like the iPhone. If you have a phone on you right now, which I'm sure almost all of us do, do me a favor, just pull it out, whether it's an iPhone or an Android, whatever. If you have an Android, I'm sorry, I'll pray for you. Um, but if you have the phone, I know that was a low blow. Uh, you're just the people that those of us that have iPhones, when we go to do a group text, when you're in there and then you reply to something, we get the whole thing. So oh, anyway, side note, but if you have it, just hold it up for me real quick. If you've got a phone, uh, my kids have mine right now, so I don't have it. Okay, go ahead and put it down. The idea with Steve Jobs is revolutionized technology. 
I remember the day, even in my lifetime, and I'm not that old, that if I wanted to get a phone call when I was a kid, you wanted to get messages, you had to go home and listen to the answering machine. Right? You had to rewind if you didn't write down the phone number quick enough, right? Some of you remember that. Anybody remember those days? Okay. Then was the cordless phone. You could actually go to a different room in the house, still home, but you could listen to it on the couch in the living room rather than have to stand in the kitchen or wherever you had it, right? And then we had the cell phone. And the cell phone came come out and it could be anywhere. Look at the freedom we have. I can, I can be anywhere and get my messages and not miss a thing, right? Revolution, now with your phone, it is not only just a phone, is it? It is your calendar, it is your TV for entertainment, it is your uh, gaming console and you play your games on it. It is social, it's everything in one. And we, again, success, this is an incredible device. And at the same time, I would say that not all success can be marked or the greatest success isn't that I left my mark on society or history. Because you can look at Steve as an example, but if I did something similar, maybe different, but my name was left in history and people are gonna talk about me for hundreds and thousands of years, but the cost of it is I lose my marriage and I lose my family and my kids hate me because I have no relationship with them and I put it all into work that they don't even know who I am. I don't invest in my marriage so my wife in the divorce. That's not the highest form of success. That's more important to me in my humble opinion. And so I'm not knocking Steve Jobs or Elon Musk, but I'm simply saying, I bet you if you looked at some of these people of influence that we aspire to be like, that society says is so successful, when you look at their actual life, they've got a lot of brokenness that's in it. You and I have this, uh, this aptness to want to be busy, whether we're pursuing money or power or title, whatever it is, to be busy at all moments. So that was week one, busyness as a badge. Last week, Nick talked on uh, the Sabbath, the idea that it is biblical that you and I need to have moments of rest. Are we good with that? I mean, do we all agree that we need to have moments of rest? Right? I mean, God modeled it in Genesis. It says that God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. He modeled it himself. Right? And, and Nick used the idea of the Sabbath. This is just like so many things. The Israelites had taken something that was meant as a benefit for health for them and turned it into something legalistic. That by the time Jesus shows up on the scene, the Pharisees, religious leaders, and the Israelites had turned this idea of Sabbath into this legalistic thing that bound them supposed to give freedom and actually made them like our cell phones. I feel a little more tethered down, even though it brings me freedom and it's good in some ways, I feel more bound to it and I can't put it down and I'm addicted to it and people can get a hold of me at any point in time and interrupt my day because this thing was supposed to give freedom actually ended up doing the opposite because they approached it the wrong way and they turned the Sabbath into this legalistic thing. And so the story was Jesus is walking with his disciples traveling from one place to another. They're walking through a field of, of wheat and his disciples are picking grains of wheat off and eating it. And the Pharisees came in and said, no, 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 you can't do that. They're breaking the Sabbath. You're not allowed to harvest and you're working and you can't do that. And so Jesus has this moment just to, to read or digest, bring that uh, message into summary for us, is Jesus says, you've taken something that was created for man. Sabbath was created for man Man was the most important thing. And you've switched it now that man was created for the Sabbath. You've got it mixed, you've got it mixed up. And you made it this legalistic thing. In fact, just the next passage of scripture, um, out of that one, uh, in the gospel accounts, Jesus is in the synagogue and there's a man with a crippled hand. And he says, he's having this moment where it looks like he's gonna heal him. And the Pharisees are just waiting to pounce on him for doing something. And they say, is it lawful, teacher, to heal on the Sabbath? Because that's work. And you're not supposed to do that, and that's breaking that law. And Jesus said, 
What are you talking about? Which one of you, if you had something very valuable, like a piece of livestock, and it fell into a hole and was going to die on the Sabbath, would you not rescue it? How much more important is this person than this livestock that you own? And so the idea simply is that you and I need to have rest. That doesn't mean be lazy, okay? It just means that we need to have balance so that we can be healthy. We need to have a foundation of an understanding that we need to have appropriate rest. And so then it begs the question, how do we create, how do we know, how do we ensure that we're getting appropriate rest as an individual, as a couple, and as a family? And I would argue that we need to intelligently and intentionally look at creating rhythms of rest in our life. Because left to your own devices by everything you've been raised in and indoctrinated in culture is going to be to want to do the opposite. Whether it's subconscious in you or it's conscious is to work, to strive after all of these things. Because that's what you've been told and what you've been bred to do. So we need to create rhythms of rest. If you have Bibles, uh, your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to take those out. We're going to be in several different passages in the gospel accounts where we're going to look at five or six different moments where Jesus himself models this idea of stealing away in different situations to get rest. It's not meant to be prescriptive that you have to do it every single time just like he did or, or just as often as he did, right? Because then we become like the Pharisees where we're just trying to create a rule book. But it can help us in this idea, okay, Ryan, we need rest. How do we then find the right rhythms and the right types of rest that we need? We're going to be in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1 to begin. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1. And it says this in Luke 4. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. He's referring to the moment that uh, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. John the Baptist just baptized him. It says, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. It says in verse 14, the next passage of Scripture, how Satan tempts him, that's another message for another day. But in verse 14 it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Again, this is not meant to be prescriptive, like you have to follow this every time, but if we're looking for a guideline, man, okay, what are the things that I need to find rest for? What are the things that work for me as an individual? Um, but how often? What's the rhythm of rest? What types of situations might I need rest? Jesus gives an ex- us an example. Of course, anytime Jesus speaks, right, red letters in some of your Bibles, that's an important time to pay attention. But we can also learn from what he did and what he modeled. And this idea was the moment was that after he was baptized by John the Baptist, he went out to pray and fast in the wilderness for 40 days. He was tempted by Satan. And when he came back is the moment that marks his ministry years were beginning. Jesus had lived to 30 years old. He was a carpenter. He had a family, uh, mom and brothers and all that stuff. But this began, it was the signifying moment that he was entering into the three years of ministry that would change the face of the planet and change the, the face of history. What can we maybe glean from this moment? is Jesus was preparing for a major task. This was his life's goal was to be developed and enveloped in these next three years. For you and I, when we're facing a major task, it might be a good idea to steal away and pray and rest so that we can be ready for that task. Okay, just one example. Here's another one. If you're taking notes, Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. This is another example of how Jesus modeled this. It says in verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they didn't even have a chance to eat, 
Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. What could we maybe glean from this, right? Jesus had sent his disciples out to do ministry on their own. It's kind of like the little birdies from the nest. Go ahead, now you guys try it without me. They come back to tell him all that had happened. And because so many people kept coming and going to the point where they didn't even have a chance to stop and eat because of the needs and the desires and the questions that they had, Jesus said, whoa, hey, let's steal away with me. Let's go find some rest. What can we learn from this? In moments where you've had a long period of work, you need to schedule in and find a time to rest and recoup. You need to find moments of that. Maybe it's a, a big project. I don't know what your work is or how it happens or, or what the dynamics are of that, but if it's been a long period, you might need to find some rest to recharge from the work that you put in. Here's another one. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 3, says this. says, now Herod had arrested John and bound him, this is John the Baptist, and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guest and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. And then they went and told Jesus. And here's the important verse, 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Right? Even the Son of God, fully God and fully man, when dealing with grief, needed to find a moment to steal away and rest and pray. And for you and I, can I be honest with you? Let me be transparent. Some of you know this. I think the last time I spoke, I mentioned this, but my dad passed away unexpectedly three years ago. And if I'm real and I'm transparent with you, because I'm still working through this just like you are, I probably didn't allow myself enough time to go through the grief process with, with my dad passing. I got work. The church needs me. I got, I got bills to, you know, right? I mean, I, and sometimes we can just bury ourselves in our stuff to kind of forget about it, but we need to allow ourselves to grieve. It's a moment that we need to uh, just divide out some time that we can steal away and Jesus model that. Here's two more. Luke chapter 6. Again, just a few instances in which G Jesus himself modeled this. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 12. It says, one of those days Jesus went to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. And then it gives the list of how he chose in that moment, these are the 12 disciples. Right? On the eve, what can we learn from this? When we're on the precipice or we've got a big decision coming up that we need to get right, it's probably a good idea to steal away and rest I don't know if you notice this, every time Jesus does this, we're gonna talk more about this in a second, I'm kind of giving a little hint to where we're going. Every time, what is a part of the variable of him getting away and resting? Prayer, a lot of times fasting, right? And for us, when we got big decisions to make, I don't know what it is that's on your docket. I don't know what big thing is looming. Hey, should we sell our house and move? Should I take that job or stay where I'm at? There's a little bit of risk there, but maybe I should stay. I don't know what the decision is that you're facing or that you might face in the future, but in that moment, through Jesus' modeling, we should follow after that and find a place of rest so that we're making the decision out of a healthy place and out of a good perspective place about through a godly perspective, not just maybe what we want. So he modeled it in this way. Last one is this. 
Actually, I've got two more. Luke 22 is the next one, starting in verse 39. Luke 22, 39 says this, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them, pray now that you will not fall into temptation. So he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. We know this is the moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, right in the moment where he's about to be betrayed. And he knows that he's going to go through the most brutal, horrific torture and death on a cross for you and I so that we can have eternal life. Fully God, yet fully man. Did not want this to happen. God, if there's any other way to do this, please take this cup from me. I don't want to have to go through this. And yet, what did perspective give him in that moment? But not my will, but yours be done. In times of great distress, you and I should find a moment to get away, a period of time to get away and pray and rest. Jesus, even himself, did it. Last one is Luke 5, verse 15 and 16. It says, this in verse 15, yet the news of him, Jesus, spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to places alone and prayed. We, we don't have a, a every single day diary of Jesus's life. I don't know if every single week he did the Sabbath, like once a week on this specific day, every single time. We don't know that. But we do know that he did what? He often went away into places of solitude to pray. Not once in a while, not the two times or three times you get to when you have vacations in a year. It says he often withdrew to places of solitude to be alone in lonely places and pray. Jesus modeled that you and I, just like him, need to have moments of rest. There's gotta be a formula. There's gotta be a rhythm to our rest or we can operate out of a place where we're completely empty, which we're never good to anybody in that place. We all need rest. But can I say this? Not all rest is created equal. Not all rest is created equal and not all rest is the same. Let me give you an example. When I was in my early 20s, it doesn't happen anymore. There's no way with, with young kids to do this. But when I was in my early 20s, I was going to school full-time, I was working full-time, um, had a roommate, and when he'd be off at work, because I was working like swing shifts sometimes and different things, I had the whole place, apartment to myself. There were some days when I had a day off, I like to call it, it was veg day. It was a day where I did nothing but lay on the couch and watch TV and eat junk food and go to fast food and just, right, I'm so at the end, I've just worked a ton, so I need to rest and I'm just gonna lay around. And by the end of the day, what happened? I felt worse than I did than I did at the beginning. Not all rest is created equal, right? Sometimes to have energy, you need to, right? I mean, we know this, studies show you actually need exercise in your life because that actually gets you more energy. So it's not just about laying and relaxing always. But as you and I are trying to decide, okay, what's the rhythm of rest? What is healthy? How can I, how do I do this? How often do I need to do it? Here's a framework for you. Not all rest is equal. And it's critical that we realize the types that are out there and recognize which one we need when. I'm gonna set this up by a quote. I'm gonna share the four basic areas of rest that we need to be aware of as we're trying to figure this out and schedule this and design this for ourselves. 
But Pastor Greg Rochelle, uh, lead pastor of Life Church out of Oklahoma. In fact, if you're using the YouVersion Bible app ever, they're the church that developed that, created it, and gave it away for free. In fact, if you're tuning in online right now on our online platform, not Facebook, but online platform, they created that technology as well, and they give it away for free. Um, he said this in a podcast when somebody was asking about this idea of rest. He said, I heard it this way said once, best ever. He said, somebody explained that there's a difference. And if you're taking notes, write this down. There's a difference between rest and replenishment. There is a difference between rest and replenishment. He said, if I'm physically tired, I take a nap. He said, but if I'm depleted, I need replenishment. Just sitting on the couch is not gonna do it for me. If I'm depleted, I need to be replenished. So identifying the types of rest is also crucial as we do this. And the four main ones are this. We already talked about one, physical. There are moments when you and I need physical rest. If you have a physical job 40 to 50 hours a week and you're out there, construction, whatever it is, and you're working physically with your body, there's gonna be moments that you're gonna need physical rest because your body is physically tired, okay? Maybe you go on a vacation. Here's another example of times that not all rest is created equal. A vacation doesn't always equal rest, does it? I just got back from Disneyland. It is not restful. It's the opposite of restful, okay? Right? But you might need physical rest. When we're sick, we need more rest. The body needs more rest, right? You lay down, you drink lots of fluids, and you rest. That's what the doctor tells you because you're in a face, you need physical rest. Uh, if you're recovering, maybe you're recovering from um, an injury or, or a surgery or something like that, right? You need more physical rest. So there's physical rest. The next one is mental rest, right? There's some times when you and I need to have mental rest, Maybe your job is not a physical job. Maybe it's a brain decision-making, uh, uh, weight-bearing, uh, uh, dealing with, with hard things, and you're using your brain all the time. And you get to the end of your 40, 50, 60-hour work week, you might need mental rest. Sitting on the couch might be fine, but you need to shut it off. Remember I mentioned before, sometimes you and I do things where we think we're resting, but it actually is making it worse. Let me give you an example. If you need mental rest from a long whatever week of whatever's going on or month or whatever the period of time is, Oftentimes we'll think, I need to rest. And so what do we do? I'm gonna go sit down on the couch and I'm gonna rest. And we pull out our phone and we start scrolling the news. And it just starts to trigger us with what we're seeing out there, atrocities that are happening. And then all of a sudden, ding, an email comes through. And you can't help yourself, so you check the email. It's one more thing that you, you think you're resting, but you're actually making it worse. Put the phone away. Turn off the news. Know what's working for you and what's making it worse. Sometimes we think we're resting and we're actually deepening the hole that we're in, right? Mental, maybe there's stresses that are weighing on you. Maybe there's money issues, financial, strained relationships. I don't know what it is, but if you need mental rest, be aware of it and find what works for you that can fill you back up. So we've got physical, we've got mental. Here's a, here's a third one, emotional rest. Sometimes we just need emotional rest from the emotional roller coaster that we're on at any given time, or it could just be a season that we're walking through, right? Maybe it's grief. Maybe our emotions, and which, by the way, your emotions can help you make decisions in a very poor way if you let your emotions drive your decision-making. But recognize it when the emotions are there and find the things that work for you and the time to put it in so that you can get emotional rest. Maybe it's dealing with drama, Maybe, maybe it's the up and downs in some of us, and this is not meant as a shot at all, but in reality, some of us have higher emotions just by how we're created than others. And be aware of those moments. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but just be aware of it. Gotta find moments where you can find emotional 
rest. Another example. Man, I am just emotional. I just need to go to my room and I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna pull out my phone and I'm gonna scroll social media. Probably not a good idea if you're dealing with emotional stress. All you're doing is continuing what we've said a million times is that you're just watching everybody's highlight reel of how their life is perfect and amazing from the food they eat to the places that they go to the kids that they have to the wards that's been won. And it just puts us, it just, it, we're making it worse for ourselves. Put the phone down, turn off social media and give yourself some rest. Again, these are just examples, okay? And the last one is spiritual rest. Physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Spiritual number four is the most important. And I'll say it this way. It's the most important because it should be a variable and a part of every one of the three before it. Jesus said every time, every time you watch scripture say he went away to be by himself, almost every time he's praying and or praying and fasting. Spiritual is the most important. We're really great. Some of you are going, woo, babe, when we get home, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Nick said more vacations. Where are we going next? Vacations are okay, but if all of our rest only is rest, only is mental, physical, emotional rest, vegging out, and it never has the spiritual a part of it, I'm telling you, you're missing the silver bullet. You're missing the secret ingredient. I'm gonna give you a passage of scripture that you'll never forget after this. You've probably heard it many times. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. Jesus says these words. If you have a Bible that has red letters, it's red because Jesus is saying it. He said this in, in verse 28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Come on, church. And I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and, le and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And some of us have interpreted that verse before in the past as, man, it reminds me of the woman at the well and she's getting water. And Jesus said, I've got water for you that you'll never thirst again. So he's probably talking about eternal rest. If we come to him, we'll find salvation. Is that true? Of course. But in the moment when you're facing that physical struggle, in the moment that you're facing the mental struggle and the decision and you're not sure what to do or the weight of the world is on you and bills aren't add, or are adding up and you don't have the money to pay them and everything's going south or a relationship is estranged, when the emotions are all over the place, Jesus is saying, come to me all who are burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest in the moment. Because what happens when spiritual is a part of our rest? First, our perspective is changed back to him. It's not the situation or the environment or the obstacle, or the decision, or the way we're reminded that there's a God who's bigger than us, who loves us, who paid a price for us, and we can make it through and he's with us. It puts the perspective back on, man, this decision I need to make looks like more money. It looks like a better area with better weather. Let's do it. But God might be saying, no, 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 it looks good, but that's not what I have for you. But if we don't have the spiritual, a part of our rest rhythm, we miss out on the secret sauce. I just said that right now. I made that up right now. I didn't even say that for a service. So that's just for you, okay? But the idea is, is that in those ways, make sure that you're seeking him. You've got moments of devotion and prayer and maybe even fasting as you find your rhythms of rest. Remember, it's not meant to be legalistic. It's not one size fits all. It's not things that work for you might not work for me. Let me give you an example. Pastor Aaron 
loves to golf. I also love to golf. He said this to me just a few weeks ago. Man, when I go and I get away and I'm out there for four or five hours on the golf course, that's what, about what it takes to do a round of golf, unless you're really, really good in golfing by yourself. So it takes about that much time. Man, I come back refreshed. And I'm like, I don't know who you are, but I do not come back refreshed. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just super competitive with myself, but I'm tired. I love it, but it doesn't fill me, right? It doesn't replenish me, right? It, it doesn't fill what's been made empty. So you gotta figure out what works for you. And so as a rhythm goes, I wanna close with just a few thoughts for you and I. This is a very practical message. This is a very practical series based on some very strong biblical truths. God modeled it in Genesis from the very beginning in creation. Six days created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested. This is important stuff. When we're, when we're looking at this, okay, Ryan, we know we need it. We gotta figure out what works for us as an individual because not it's, it's not the same thing for everybody we know we need to have a rhythm. What could that potentially look like as I'm lost? I don't even know where to start. So again, this isn't prescriptive. Do this specifically, but this might help you on the path. Of course, making sure the four things are there, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. But Pastor Rick Warren, uh, when speaking on this idea of rest and rhythms of rest, said this. So I like this. So if you're taking notes, write this, round, write this down. He said, number one, he said, divert daily. Find moments daily that you can divert. For maybe it's just a small amount of time, 20 minutes, half hour, maybe it's an hour, I don't know what your schedule is, but divert daily. Find times to divert from what you're doing, the busyness of everything, to make sure that you're okay with those four categories and find something that fills you. So maybe for you, it's coming home, go, man, I've had the full day at work, I'm putting the phone away. When I come home, I'm putting the phone away and for 45 minutes at dinner, if you've got a family or a spouse or for, for an hour, I'm gonna put the phone away, I'm gonna have family time and I'm just gonna put it away. And some of you are going, oh God, my, the, my business will fall apart in 45 minutes. That's how I think. I, I get it. Some of you are like that. You're thinking, man, the whole world's gonna fall down if I don't know what's happening, if they can't get a hold of me. Maybe that works for you. Maybe it's, you know what? I see this steal away and what fills you is you read a book, okay? It's not necessarily my thing, but maybe that's your thing. In fact, I had a friend, okay, uh, who just went to Vegas. They did a little uh, trip. Um, there's things you can do in Vegas, people that aren't all the debaucherous stuff, okay? There's a lot of great restaurants and things. But they said to me, hey, Ryan, you've been there before. And I'm thinking they're gonna ask like, hey, best restaurant to hit, best show to go see, like a Cirque du Soleil show. No, this person said, yeah, is there any like, while you were there, any good spots you saw? It's like a little place you could just steal away and read a book. I'm like, read a book in Vegas? It's Vegas. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? But for them, that's what maybe fills them. That's that part of that replenishment of, of filling that empty tank. So I don't know what it is for you, but find ways to divert daily. Here's the second one. He went on to say, you need to find moments where you can withdraw weekly. A little bit longer than the diversion. Maybe instead of an hour or 20 minutes, maybe it's a couple hours. Maybe it's like Pastor Aaron, four or five hours on a golf course. Find somewhere where you can go away with something that can fill you back up. And for the person, I did not say this in the first gathering, but I sense it that you're saying that you feel selfish in trying to find that time. I'm gonna tell you right now, if you are burnt out and operating from an empty tank, you are not any good to your spouse. You're not as good as you could be. You're not as good as you could be for your kids. You need to find time to be able to withdraw without feeling guilty. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's golf like Aaron, or maybe it's, hey, I'm gonna go out with the fellas and just spend some time. Maybe if you're a wife and you're at home all day, I don't know, everybody's situation is different. My, my wife used to say, I just had like four-year-old conversations all day long. I need to like go have adult conversations somewhere. I don't know what it is for you. Find ways to divert daily and find ways 
to withdraw weekly. And the last one he says is this, find ways to abandon annually where you shut it off, shut off the email, shut off the text messages, put the stuff away and go and get away for a longer period of time. Most of us would think this is a great spot for vacations. I have a question for you. This is not a trick question. When you raise your hand, which by the way, I'm gonna raise my hand. I'm not doing this to make you look foolish. It's not a trick question, but has anybody else along with me ever in your life never used all the vacation that you have in a year to use? Why would we ever do that? I know why I did it. I was trying to prove myself. All of the things that I talked about at the very beginning opening, the pursuit of title or to show my boss that I'm in and, and that I'm committed to doing this or you love your job. Those are all okay things, but if it's causing you to not be able to get away and abandon annually, to shut it all off and recoup, your tank's gonna get real empty real quick. I wanna close with this. I would go so far as to say that some of us need to schedule these daily, weekly, and annual things in our calendars, like we do our appointments at work, our doctor's appointments, the sports schedule that you have. Why? Because you're gonna go home with a great idea of I'm gonna do this, and you're gonna go right back into the habit, right back into that subconscious culture that you've been indoctrinated into, which is to work, 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 and fill every moment of every day with something to do. Society does it all the time. When I was a kid, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Uh, when I was a kid, there was never sports on Sunday. And now you can't, you wanna be anything, you want your kid to be anything in sports and all these select leagues and all these things that you wanna do and these recruitment places and all this stuff is you are sports all the time. I love sports, trust me. I am not anti-sports. But I'm just giving you another example. It's a competition for all of your time with other things that just end up wearing you out. We need to calendar it. Last thing, same podcast, Craig Rochelle said this when talking about rest. He said, it's also a mindset shift. He said, instead of me needing rest because of a crazy work week, and they happen, crazy scenarios that pop up on top of work week and kids and the unexpected. He said, instead of me needing rest, requiring it almost an emergency style because of a crazy week of work, I tackle my busy week of work from a place of rest that I planned into my daily schedule, my weekly schedule, my annual schedule. You just take sleep, for example. So where some people will, hey, they got a work week coming, but oh, but Net Netflix just dropped the new season of my favorite show. And I got the kids to bed. It's about nine o'clock. I'm gonna watch an episode. Wow, it was really good. Okay, one more. So nine to 10 goes to 10 to 11. And you laugh because you've done it. And then 10 to 11 ends up 11 to 12, and then it's, I'm just gonna binge the season. And you start your week out, going to bed at three, get, getting up at five or six, crazy week. And now all of a sudden you're spent, you're, you're depleted, and you require rest, like almost emergency style. So instead of doing that, he goes, I go to bed on time, and I've even taken it a step further because studies show, I put electronics away an hour to an hour and a half, TV, phone, tablets are gone hour to an hour and a half before I go to bed because statistics show that when you're like this on your screen, this far from your face in your bed, as your spouse leaning one way, you're leaning the other way, it's hard to get good rest, REM sleep rest when you have devices like that in front of you. So I put it away, I go to bed on time, I shut my body down, I get it ready for rest. So when my head hits the pillow, I know I'm gonna get good rest and I'm gonna work from a place of being full. And that's my prayer 
that as you and I try to figure out, we need rest. It's gonna be different for all of us. It's not legalistic, but I gotta find something. Hey, there's four different types of rest I need to be aware of and the rhythms of how I can do. I'm gonna divert daily. I'm gonna find things I can do. I'm gonna withdraw weekly. I'm gonna abandon annually. I'm gonna add spiritual to every one of those so that instead of living at a frantic pace that will eventually leave us depleted, requiring emergency rest, or even worse, burnout, when we're no good to anybody, let's set ourselves up and plan our rest rhythm so that we can lead, work, and live out of a full tank rather than an empty tank. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we thank you. Even at the beginning of creation, you knew that we would be creatures that would be prone to busyness, to fill our schedules. It could be the pursuit after things like money or positions or titles. It could be that we're just extroverts and we wanna keep going. We wanna leave our mark on the world. God, whatever it is, God, you created us to need rest. You said it in the beginning. You reiterated it through the Old Testament. You emphasized it in the New Testament with Jesus's life and he modeled moments for us. And so I pray for each individual couple and family as they seek to say, okay, I need it. What do I need? How do I identify it? What are the things that work for me? God, would you be in the midst of that for them so that we could be individuals, couples, and families that operate out of a place of abundance and replenishment and not out of a depleted, empty tank so that we can be our best wherever we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.